Welcome to Dig Deep, the mining podcast. In this podcast, we go deep into mining news, hot topics, and live interviews with mining professionals and leading figures in the mining industry. Introducing your host, Rob Tyson, founder and director of Mining International and Mining International Executive, a leading global mining recruitment and headhunting agency. Hi, mining community. Welcome back to another episode of the Dig Deep, the mining podcast. And today's guest is Chris Bryan, who's the MD of Legacy Minerals, who who are exploring the high-grade gold, copper and base base metals deposits in the world-class Lachlan Fold Belt in New South Wales, Australia. Um, Chris has an electrical and environmental background and started his career with Anglo-American in the coalfields New South Wales and Queensland um, and has been at the helm of Legacy Minerals since 2017. Um, he's going to give us an overview of the company, um, how their journey has been so far and what they're looking to uh, achieve in the future. So that's welcome, Chris, to the podcast. How are you doing, Chris? Yeah, great. Thanks, Rob. It's a pleasure to, to be here today to talk to you. Yeah, and I appreciate your time as well. I know you're an, an active listener as well. Um, and before before we went live, there was a few episodes that you uh, that you've been listening to, and um, hence you approached me and decided that you wanted to uh, come on the podcast. So, uh, yeah, appreciate your um, your support as well. So. As we always uh, start these podcasts off, just wondered if you can tell us a little bit about your your career, your background, uh, before we go into speaking more about uh, Legacy Minerals. Sure. I probably um, haven't had the traditional, I guess, exploration uh, background of a lot of, you know, MDs of of small junior uh, companies. As you mentioned, I'm an electrical engineer. So I went into coal mining um, straight out of university, which wasn't something I initially had planned on on but um i think as most australians there's a significant allure to the, the salaries that the mining companies uh, w- were paying back back in the day so i, I spent a lot of my time in the, the projects um, maintenance space in, in both open cut and underground coal mines so got a good appreciation for the later stages of the mining sort of life cycle um so pretty far from from the sort of area that we're currently in at the moment which is at the, the junior stage the generative early stage process but what, what that sort of mining background gave uh, was a real depth of you know, systems, um, processes, um, and I guess looking at, at, at projects, you know, both a capital and um, an operational sort of perspective, um, you know, what works, what doesn't. So it's a, a broad applicability of engineering skills that uh, from leaving the mining sector, I came and worked in the public service in, uh, in the railway sector. So I was actually working the heavy rail, um, automating uh, the rail networks in Sydney, um, and at the same time, um, myself and my uh, business partner, Tom War, who's the other uh, co-founder and executive director of Legacy Minerals, uh, we actually went to school together, high school, and we went to university, and he's got a hard rock mineral exploration background. And while we were working other jobs, we started to peg land as a, as a bit of a hobby. It was a bit of a side thing, and it just got bigger and bigger and bigger until we listed the company in, in 2021. So... Um, I think we were 30, 31 when we listed, and that was our first ever gig as a director or, you know, being involved with an ASX company. So quite a, a rapid acceleration from no full-time employees to, you know, within six months being a full-fledged listed ASX company. So it's been a rapid sort of, um, you know, couple of years of, of growth for us. Yeah, no, good. And 
you obviously were in the coal industry initially and now you moved over to sort of precious and base metals i know obviously it's more in exploration like you said you were in projects before but how have you and the reason why i ask this question is because i i used to recruit within australia so when i when i lived in queensland i used to recruit in the the coal fields of um mainly queensland and sometimes new south new south wales I and mean, every time i was recruiting various roles companies didn't want to bring in people from base or precious metals into the coal industry and then vice versa when i was recruiting for base metals and uh, precious metals companies they tend to not consider coal people how have you found that transition from being in in coal and now in obviously base and precious metals yes it's been interesting and probably the biggest difference is the scale like when you're working in the coal industry you're talking big budgets, big tonnage, big operations, so that's, you know, and big money. Um, there's not really much opportunities in the coal industry to, to effectively, you know, junior exploration company is a bit like an IT sort of startup. Um, you know, it's easy to, to, to start it up based off a concept or an idea. There's just no real opportunity to do that in coal necessarily, and there isn't a lot of mix between the two. Like you, you, you find that professionals tend to stick in their, in their, their sort of um, their, their realms. And it's not until maybe you get towards the financing sort of brokerage sort of side where it becomes a bit um, irrespective of you know people's backgrounds. But certainly at the at the at the early stages, there's all you know a bit of a bit of a um, rivalry between coal geologists and you know hard rock geos, and that generally there's a, a frowning a frown upon in terms of the boring geology associated with coal and the excitement that comes from you know your, your precious metal and, and that sort of discovery so and it's been an interesting sort of dynamic between the two and still quite segregated you know to this day as you, as you sort of say yeah certainly um so just wanted to give us an overview obviously of uh Lexi minerals like you said you uh, started up the company in 2017 you've obviously been through a, a bit of a journey so i just wanted to just give us an overview of of the company yeah so we We've got around uh, two and a half thousand square kilometres of exploration licences uh, currently, um, so a pretty significant package of, of land, and that just that started off really at Cobar. And for those people that know Cobar, um, there's some fantastic um, mines out there, home to Australia's highest grade copper mine, which you know recently was sold um, by Glencore. You've got the Peak Gold Mines um, out there that have been operating for some time, uh, but back in 2017. There was just a lot of free ground around New South Wales, so it sort of coincided with uh, the New South Wales Geological Survey, so a function, you know, a body of of the uh, the government, um, coming up with a new digital titles management system, um, a new graphical information GIS system called MinView. So all of a sudden, in 2017, the government of trans, you know, transitioned from people, you know, submitting paper applications for licenses to a digital system and opening up all the pre-competitive data of all the previous exploration reports across all of New South Wales. So in a sort of a, a bit of a light switch moment, they've just unleashed a huge amount of data uh, freely available into the market. And being, you know, five years out of university, we just tore through that, that data and came up with a, you know, what we consider to be a, a great package of, of tenements. And um, as we gradually added to the portfolio, uh, we got bigger and bigger, and it was harder and harder to, to sustain that as a private exploration company. So in sort of early 2021, we made the call to, to move towards uh, an IPO, and that's really to fund the, you know, the costly part of exploration, which is the drilling. 
Um, and we were successful in getting an IPR away, IPR away in 2021. And that was sort of, um, I guess, at the start of our life as a, a publicly listed company. And that's brought its challenges and its rewards. Uh, but you know, certainly one of the rewards you get from that is uh, the hard work that you're putting into your projects and our, you know, in the, in the public space. So uh, we've got to focus on gold and copper predominantly and, and particular systems around low sulfidation epithermals um, and, and porphyry systems. So we're looking for... Um, you know, we don't have uh, any tenements really looking for lithium or rare earths. We're quite focused on those assets, uh, which aren't getting a lot of love in the market at the moment, gold and copper stocks, particularly in the junior space. But, you know, we're focused on those fundamentals and we're certainly seeing some great results across. We've, we've got six projects that we own currently. One, we've got a JV with Newmont and one, we've got an exploration license that aligns with an artificial intelligence company, Earth AI. So we've got a bit of a hybrid exploration discovery sort of uh, approach to our, our projects. Yeah. Um, obviously, you've mentioned that you've uh, got six projects within the Lockland Fold belt of New South Wales. Um, why does the company find this region uh, so attractive for mineral exploration? Yeah, it's, it's, it's Australia's premier porphyry copper gold district. You know, it's home to, you know, we like it for, for several reasons. Um, you know, the first was it's easy to explore. Um, so that means a company like Legacy uh, we can peg all our licenses at, at cost of zero dollars an application fee, and you can then start to add value immediately with the work. So it's an easy entry. Um, there's good pre-competitive data sets, and importantly, it's a jurisdiction that you know produces some world-class mines. So you're talking about Australia's largest gold mine, uh, Caddy Ridgeway, 50 million ounces gold. I think maybe 10 million tons of, of copper. You know, that, so that ranks up as one of the world's biggest operating gold mines. Uh, you've got cow, uh, 15 million ounces, um, owned by Evolution. So two very successful gold mines. Uh, there's North Parks. There's just a wealth of the, the Cobar operating mines. So uh, a good district in terms of operating assets. Um, it's a safe jurisdiction. So this, you know, when you look at you know global jurisdictions, um, you know Australia, Canada, um, and the US, you know some of your, your top tier jurisdictions to explore. And so that we we. We like that fact. There's the little sovereign risk. You know, the government's not going to turn around and do anything crazy in terms of nationalising, you know, assets. Um, the other thing that we, we see in New South Wales as well, it's a, it's a big state, um, so it's a vast search space um, in which there's often a conception that everything that, you know, everyone, you can't find anything new because it's all been explored from New South Wales and it's just not true. You know, we've, we've certainly found the work that we've done has uncovered some fantastic uh, mineral systems that have previously sat unrecognised. So we see it as a great opportunity to explore. And it's also, you know, you're right near Sydney, so we're able to run exploration out of local towns um, around New South Wales. It's low cost. There's no wet season, year-round exploration access. So overall, it, it is a great place to explore. And, um, and, and we're seeing some recent uh, mines come into, you know, get their final approvals as well. So we're seeing that, you know, development pathway sort of start to tick that box as well. Um, obviously, you're you're a relatively young company, and you, as you mentioned, recently listed on the uh, ASX back in uh, September 2021. Um, what operating strategy has the company set for itself, um, and how has that strategy evolved? Yeah, that's a it's, that's a great question. Um, the the fundamentals uh, that we're focused on as a as a company um, is low cost, high impact exploration. So we're looking to do work. Um, you know, and that's particularly evolved with the, 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 the tightening of the capital markets and the, and the access to, to funds. 
is you know we add you know we see the ability to add a significant amount of value by doing um, generative works across across our projects. Um, so that's generating targets, and that involves a lot of boots on ground exploration. So real fundamental stuff, which is often gets overlooked in the junior space. You know people chase grades through drilling to try and you know get excitement and generate that sort of interest in the market. Uh, we're focused on building you know, district scale potential in our projects. So we've got that strategy that we're in it for the long term. Um, and we also have a, you know, we call it a hybrid discovery model where we have projects that we partner with, with um, you know, companies. I mentioned um, uh, Newmont and Earth AI. So that, that's a funding model that allows for our shareholders to get discovery exposure without having to raise funds or, or dilute, dilute our shareholders. And then we also have our 100% owned projects as well, which gives direct upside. So our operational approach is to sort of balance that risk. Exploration is a, you know, it's a risk game. Um, and the probability of, you know, a lot of companies succeeding is quite low um, when you look at the historical, you know, rates of exploration success. By balancing out that risk profile, um, you know, we can give our shareholders upside, but also, you know, more certainty that, you know, we might, you know, uh, be able to take a project, um, you know, through, you know, through discovering and through to production opening. Um, last week, you announced uh, that uh, co uh, nickel copper sulfides and the PGEs are being found during exploration work uh, at the Font Fontenoy project. I think I pronounced that right in New South yeah, Wales. Yeah, um, what potential do you think uh, the company has uncovered there? Yeah, um, we're really excited about that. Um, it's sort of when we look at our projects, um, mo all of our portfolio, most of them are, are virtually greenfield projects. So we're not, you know, they're not recycled projects that, you know, spun out of some company or picked up by another company. So we're, we're picking them up. They're relatively fresh. Fontoy is probably one of the projects that's um, had the most drilling and the most work done on it. And there's been a real focus on the porphyry copper gold story there. So great, um, shallow um, low-grade uh, copper hits, you know, 70 metres, uh, 79 metres at 0.3% copper from surface, you know, across a, quite a long strike. So pe people have worked on that previously, you know, downgraded the potential um, and haven't had much success. The partnership that we struck with um, Earth AI really changed the thinking on that project in terms of the approach. Instead of focusing on the, the eastern side of, of the project area, using their sort of AI generative uh, models, they were spending all their time on the western side, which was the relatively underlooked and underexplored area. So seeing virtually no drilling, limited sort of historical work, limited mapping, um, and they found nickel sulfides. So that's the first time that nickel copper sulfides have been found in that region. And that's important because um, there aren't many known occurrences of nickel sulfide, uh, copper nickel sulfide PG systems in New South Wales. So we're yet to drill it. Um, and Earth AI will be doing that as part of their alliance framework. But that's a real, you know, it's a bit like our moment we had at Palura when we sort of recognised the potential. This is our, our, our Newmont JV project. Um, that was a bit of a, a technical breakthrough in, in terms of understanding that these systems could exist in New South Wales. And now we're seeing that open-minded exploration project Fontenoy demonstrate that, hey, we might have a large nickel-copper PG um, system here that no one has recognised um, previously in New South Wales which is not known for its nickel. The WA guys, the Western Australians get it. There's a lot of nickel stuff out there and people think about Julemar and, and what that's done for chalices, you know, the big nickel copper PG discovery um, of, of date, but it's just not not, a, not, well, not well known about New South Wales at all. Yeah. Um, 
obviously you've got an interesting alliance with uh, Earth AI. Um, and I, I suppose why is that partnership uh, unique and how's that progressing? And I suppose what, what value do they add within the obviously joint venture agreement? Yeah, so they, um, there's a few um, artificial intelligence exploration companies out there on the market at the moment. Um, there's the big one over in America, which is uh, Cobalt, and that's backed by a lot of these um, Bill Gates and Jeff Bezos, you know, these green funds. And they've sort of, you know, they're, they're, quite, they're like quasi-exploration IT companies, really. Um, they've got a bit of a different approach uh, to it. Um, Earth AI... Um, is unique in itself that they have, a, they're a company that not only generates artificial intelligence uh, data sets around prospectivity, but then they've got the exploration team to do the groundwork uh, to verify and validate that. Um, and they've got their own jewel rigs, so then they'll jewel them. What that means for legacy is that um, they wear a lot of risk in that Earth AI. Um, the, the, the structure of the agreement is that they're able to earn a, a royalty if they make a discovery. Uh, so that's a qualifying intercept um, in the in the drilling. Um, what it means for us is that uh, we can uh, let them do their work. Um, we don't have to. We can focus on our other projects, which you know there is a bandwidth constraint when you look at a small exploration company and running multiple exploration fronts at once. Um, and, and we're already seeing the fruits of that. It took some time for, for Earth AI's. You know they got this vertically integrated business model. So again, very much like an IT company. Um, so they're quite unique to that um, approach in the Australian market. Um, there is another company out Sensor that does that, that similar sort of system, but it's a pay for a product type service. So it's AI as a service. Whereas in Earth AI are backing their product um, that, you know, they're hoping that their, their uh, models are correct and that their drilling and their groundwork, you know, gets some result that, that delivers a return for them. So very little risk for our shareholders, but we see significant upside if they, if they hit, you know, a, a significant system in, in the work that they're doing. Um, the Boolara project has merged as the company's uh, flagship exploration uh, prospect in uh, recent times, um, and obviously is now part of a joint venture uh, with Newmont. Um, what attracted Newmont to the project, and uh, what are the the terms of your agreement? Yeah, um, uh, pronounced Boolara. Which is uh, yeah, okay. <laughs> catches a lot of people. Um, it is a um, yeah. We we sort of had Blura. You know, when you have a lot of projects, um, what it allows in your portfolio is good competitive tension between between them. So when we IPO'd, we didn't really call any one project our flagship. You know, we sort of had a few that we that we were running um, parallel exploration programs, but quite quickly we started to narrow down that Blura was you know something something special that. Um, you don't find these systems often in New South Wales. So we're seeing great rock textures on the surface. If you look at the background, that's just a bit of the, the rock library that we, we've done out there. So we started to really catalogue what started to grow into a district-scale system um, of significant anomalism. We were putting out these announcements to the market around, you know, good generative work that we're doing. I talked about that fundamental geology that, you know, that the stock market and the mums and dads don't necessarily reward, but... Um, certainly the majors can appreciate, um, you know, they know what a good rock means and what, a, you know, a, a good, you know, significant geochem anomalies uh, mean in, in soils. And so we just progressed that project along and, and the opportunity sort of came out, um, you know, from that, that public image, putting those announcements out to the ASX. 
as you would you know have seen recently there's a lot of m a activity occurring in the in the mining sector and that's all the way from you know the major deals like newmont newcrest but down to, to smaller players like bhp and rio buying small small projects um, around new south wales and, and elsewhere in australia so it's a real sort of companies looking to replenish that that global uh, shortage that they see in the gold space, the copper space, the nickel space has sort of meant that it's opened the doors up to to, to smaller companies like us. And so Ballura really, um, we demonstrated that that blue sky potential, the significance of the vein field um, and the scale of the projects, which, you know, we were, you know, considered it to be a globally significant project from that sheer, the sheer scale of it. And, and Newmont agree. Um, and, you know, you, you just have to look at Newmont's global portfolio and it's, it's quite apparent just how early stage this project is. So when you look at what deals they've done with um, other companies in the public space out there, this is probably one of their earliest stage joint ventures um, in their entire global portfolio. So it's obviously a great endorsement for the prospectivity there. And um, we really, the partnership's going great with Newmont. We're, 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 you know, it's a discovery-focused partnership. So we've both got our um, you know, eye on the same prize. The deal structure is 15 million over eight years or, or within an eight year period. Uh, and that'll earn, I'll give Newmont the right to earn 75% of the project. What we really see as a significant benefit to our shareholders is, is not only just partnering with a, a, a tier one ex- mining company that you know mines these, these uh, types of systems and has done for decades. Um, I think Newmont's largest low sulfidation epithermal mine is you know, Sierra Negro. Um, in South America, so you're talking circa 10 million ounces. You know they're targeting that to get to 500,000 ounces per annum. You know that's what Newmont are looking for in their, in their sort of, um, you know, in that that tier one epithermal low sulfidation space. We've got access to that that expertise, um, their systems and their knowledge. But importantly, at the back end, it transitions from a should the geology work out, it transitions from a exploration joint venture to a mining joint venture, and Newmont will actually for an additional 5%. So Legacy would have 20% at this point, if we elect to it, finance uh, the Blura project through to production. So that's that's loan carried through to production, not another dollar that needs to get put in for Legacy to have potentially 20% ownership of what would what may be a world-class um, world class mine with, with, with Newmont. So we see that as a significant you know, benefit for shareholders. Um, and hopefully that's a journey is a quicker one than, than a longer one, but you know, we're going to, out on the ground aggressively, you know, exploring that at the moment. What upcoming upcoming activities do you have planned for Blura project uh, now uh, that obviously the JV is in place? Yeah, so we've um, we've announced on the market that we've uh, started a um, AMT survey. So that's an auto um, auto magnetotellurics, essentially a geophysical program, a bit like IP, which people are a bit more familiar with, induced polarization, but we're looking at the top the top levels of a system here. So we're seeing gold at surface, and that's what you know attracted us to that project, and you know helped that you know that discovery uh, pace. This program is uh, designed to to look deeper into the system. So the deeper you get, um, you know, there's a particular part of these epithermal systems called the boiling zone, and that's where you, your bonanza grades of precious metal, gold and silver reside. Um, they're they're very controlled from a, a zonation type system. This ANT survey is going to highlight, um, you know, hopefully large zones of resistivity um, that will correspond to these feeding structures. Um, that program 
is going to cover 81 line kilometres. So I think it's a significant program. Um, and not there's not many of these done in New South Wales because they're just these systems aren't very, very common. Um, so that's going to be fantastic to see those results. Uh, we've got 7,000 line kilometres of aerial magnetics and radiometrics getting done. Um, they'll feed into drill targets and, and we'll be looking to drill um, under the, the, the JV, uh, the Breccia Centre prospect towards uh, the end of this year. Um, so that's a, that's written within the, um, the actual JV mandate. So it's going to be an exciting couple of months to see the, these high-quality data sets feed into the work that we've done and bring out some some really good-looking uh, drill targets um, to, to test. Um, earlier this year, Legacy acquired the Black Range project, uh, which shares similarities to the Blora project. Um, what are some of these similarities and why is Legacy excited uh, about the, the potential Black Range? Yeah, um, we, when we were uh, exploring Blura, so middle, middle of last year, and we're starting to realise that, hey, this, this thing has some serious scale on it um, and, you know, some serious potential and it's been overlooked, you know, at, to, to sort of phrase how, you know, that opportunity has developed. You know, we pegged that ground for zero dollars, you know, two and a bit years ago and within two and a, two and a bit years, okay, that, that includes the COVID, you know, impact. But within two and a bit years, minus a year for COVID, we've managed to attract the world's biggest gold miner to come in at such an early stage project. So we sort of realised that, hey, the, these systems, um, there surely has to be another Blura out in New South Wales that sat there just as unrecognised. Um, and sure enough, uh, we pegged Black Range. We kept it, we actually pegged it last year and we kept it a little bit quiet, you know, just that uh, we weren't quite certain what was going to happen with Blura and what that might might look like. But earlier this year, we extended that, that license there. So Black Range is about 65 kilometres from Ballura. It's in the same age rocks um, as Ballura. It's about three times the, the scale. So Ballura being around 300 square kilometres and, and Black Range is over 900 square kilometres of volcanics. So you're talking a huge, huge system. Um, like Ballura, we've pegged the district. So there's no other explorer that holds any... Um, relevant or significant ground down there as well. So, again, we've got that district-scale control. Um, and we saw beyond sort of the geological comparisons, um, and this is where I guess the, it's a good partnership with uh, Tom, myself, and the rest of the board, is that mixed skill set means you're looking at different aspects of the project. Tom, Tom, you know, has a focus on the geology. I'm looking at the, the land access, the infrastructure, you know, the logistical considerations that, you know, moving, I guess, something that's from a concept, you know, to an implementation phase. And that's often where you see exploration companies, you know, falter or sort of lack the skill sets to bridge those two sort of worlds, um, you know, because often exploration is a logistical problem as much as it is a geology uh, problem. And it's, it ticked all those boxes. And, and one of the things that we saw that was really interesting is it's just the exploration history and the parallels between the two projects. Uh, Ballura was held by a company called North Limited back in the early 1990s. And North Limited had two big epithermal systems in New South Wales, Cal and Ballura. So when North Limited were having discovery success at the Cal mine, which I mentioned before, you know, grew to a 15 million ounce system, they stopped all work at Ballura. And then North Limited got taken over by Rio Tinto. And then I think... Um, Eventually, Barrick ended up with Cow before before it changed hands to Evolution. And so, in the meantime, Ballura went through its you know changing hands for various companies, but the work had sort of ceased. When you go to Black Range, there's another major company that was exploring Black Range, and that was Newcrest. 
and then Newcrest dropped it in 1992. And for people that know the discovery story um, at Cadia, that was the year that they made their Cadia discovery. Again, the 15 million ounce you know, behemoth up there at Orange. Um, that was the last time any company has stepped foot on you know, the, what we consider to be the highest priority part of the Black Range Prospect Sugar Bag Hill. So we've been on there last month, and that's the first time anyone has, has stepped a foot on that ground in, in 30 years. So in terms of, you know, we like to look at why does the opportunity still exist there and you have to convince, you know, not yourself but also the, your shareholders and the market that, you know, it's worth putting your money to a project. And when you start to see those factors, no expiration for 30 years, limited historical expiration, um, one of the things that we, we saw uh, that we, you know, was extremely encouraging is that Newcrest dated the Black Range project to be the same age mineralization as Ballura. So you've got two systems that are formed at the same time. What the relationships are, we're not quite sure, because, uh, again, we're at the frontier here in terms of these types of systems in New South Wales. Um, hence why we thought it was really important to partner with, with a major, is that we're not in a district that you can look up the road and there's multiple discoveries or mines of these types of systems. You know, we are there pushing that frontier in terms of that discovery profile. Um, and, and, and that partnership um, really does help there. So we see, you know, we don't, we're not calling it Ballura 2.0 at this point, but we're certainly seeing, I guess, all of the opportunities that we were able to capitalise on at Ballura, at Black Range. Um, so we're expecting, or we're doing work there currently, rock chipping, low cost, you know, high impact work that we did at Ballura. So uh, hopefully we can do it in half the time that it sort of took us to Ballura now that we've sort of honed our skills, but yeah, we're really quite excited just around that that opportunity. And then, you know, when you sit back again and just look at the sheer scale of, of the system there um, and epithermal occurrences that strike for, you know, 30 kilometres between, you know, between them, it's a big project and we're certainly excited around, you know, the, the prospects that are going to come out. I've got two more questions. Um, I work obviously in the uh, international market, uh, recruiting expats around the world. And I suppose the feeling is Australia and mining is more, everything's done out of WA. Um, I wonder what your, what, and I wonder if you give your perception of, and what, what's your uniqueness mining in New South Wales? Because like I said, everyone, everyone that I come across are predominantly out of, out of WA, they're either in iron ore, um, some gold, um, or they could be out of Mount Isa, for instance, um, but not too much talk about New South Wales. So wh what what highlights would you say New South Wales has as a mining jurisdiction? Yeah, well, I think you almost, you know, semi-answered the question. It's like that overlooked factor. We're, you know, we're, we're talking about, um, you know, back to sort of Black Range a bit to sort of highlight, you know, why, you know, what does New South Wales have to offer and, as a jurisdiction? It's, it hasn't had the expiration work. Like, you, you know, if you were to say to someone that you can walk out and make a new outcropping discovery of a, you know, gold-bearing vein, um, it just, it's been so worked over WA that um, and it's also a lot more difficult for juniors to get involved. So there's a real opportunity there to, to go out to, to, to areas that have literally had no exploration done on them previously. And I think that's where the discoveries, uh, you know, you increase your probability of discovery, you know, on, on these new greenfield projects and they bring a level of excitement to the market. So we're bringing fresh projects out there that people haven't looked at or, you know, haven't looked at for 30 years. And I think that's a, a big point of difference from the WA sort of space. Um, 
what what is also it is a challenge though because um you know most of the money in mining does come from wa and so it does sort of you know stick within those wa circles so it is uh, it is harder as a as a new, a new south wales focused company and we only do new south wales it's a it's a strong point of ours like uh, we can't as a company afford to waste our resources learning to operate within another jurisdiction in terms of the, the titles and licenses the mobilization of personnel you know, we, we save a lot of money by having, you know, focused, you know, field officers servicing our tenants and you get a lot more bang for buck from that perspective. But, um, yeah, it's an underlooked province but with huge endowment and, and it just sort of flies under the radar. And even I think the people in New South Wales don't appreciate that, you know, you go out to Orange and you ask, you know, you know one in every two people out there and they wouldn't even know that, the world, you know, Australia's biggest gold mine is, you know, pumping away sub circa two two billion dollars or you know four billion into the economy you know every year you know through their you know sales so it sort of fly you know it's a big economy too so it flies under the radar in that regard that's where we see that opportunity underlooked and it's underexplored yeah certainly and lastly lastly what's the uh outlook for the remainder of the year and going into uh 2024 yeah it's going to be busy i mentioned all the stuff that we're doing at, at blura um, at Black Range, culminating in a, in a dual program uh, funded with with Newmont out at Blura. Um, Earth AI will be moving towards drilling uh, down at Fontenoy. So we're talking about, you know, two uh, Greenfield's proof of concept drill campaigns um, in two, you know, emerging, you know, discovery districts. So that's going to be quite exciting just to sort of see those results come out. Um, in the meantime, you know, we're doing generative work across the remainder of our portfolio as well. So we might look to do a campaign, a dual campaign at Black Range uh, towards the end of the year um, or out of Cobar, which is, a, again, a bit of a, a treasure in the portfolio that often gets um, overlooked even, even by us when we look at our other you know, great, great projects. It's often hard to uh, decide, you know, where, where to go and where to drill. But we're going to be quite busy from now to the end of the year. And it's sort of it's an interesting time in the market as we've seen the exploration decline. We're the busiest we've ever been in terms of the programs of work that we're getting done across our tenement. And the budgets, you know, particularly with Ballura, you know, we're doing huge geophysical programs, big scale, you know, tier one, you know, type company, major company exploration programs that just as a junior, you just would never be able to do. So we're expecting that to really deliver some fantastic results. So, yeah, looking forward to quite a busy year. Yeah. Chris, really uh, appreciate your time coming onto the uh, coming onto the podcast and um, telling us about obviously Le- legacy minerals and it sounds like you've got a couple of great uh, gems there, a couple of great projects that obviously are early stage um, but have so much potential and like you said, you're joint venturing with uh, some tier one mining companies, so um, it's great to hear. If our audience has any questions or they want to follow your story, how can they go about doing that? What social media platform platforms are you on? Yeah, so we're pretty active on uh, LinkedIn and Twitter uh, for those that are in those sort of spaces. But, you know, we do have an investor hub on our, our website as well um, that you can access all the announcements. And, you know, we try to, you know, I, I won't apologise for making our ASX announcements too technical. So sometimes that take a little bit of, you know, um, discernment to walk through, but, um, we, you know, we 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 like to you know keep our shareholders updated with our progress and what we're doing as well. So certainly, there's a wealth of information out there for people to 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 watch and follow. 
Yeah. And we include those in the show notes accompany this episode as well for easy access. So um, like I said, really appreciate your time. Perhaps you want to come on next year and give us an update on uh, on, on the progress of uh, both projects. And um, you never know, there might be some other projects in the pipeline as well. That sounds great, Rob. Yeah, no worries. Thank you, for, thank you for listening. Hope you enjoyed that episode. Um, and appreciate your continued support. Please share this episode um, out to all people, uh, ex-colleagues around the world, wherever they are. Um, there is obviously mining outside of WA, as, uh, as Chris has highlighted, uh, New South Wales. There is obviously a lot going on. And also share this episode with people outside of the mining industry. As Chris alluded to, um, there's a, one of the biggest gold mines in New South Wales that are generating billion dollars, billions of dollars for uh, the state of New South Wales. And a lot of people may not even know that. So appreciate if you can share these, these episodes and this particular episode to people outside the mine in Australia as well. It helps with, our, our, I suppose, our whole image of mining and, and what it does for for our country and, and for our, obviously mankind and evolution in terms of how we develop as 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 a people within within our world so um appreciate your continued support and until next time happy mining thank you for listening remember to reach out to rob via the show notes and be sure to subscribe and leave a review until next time happy mining helping each other to improve the mining industry.